This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Hi, Rabotai. Welcome, everyone. We're starting with a new Pasha Chavua, new beginning. Who doesn't love Bereshit? Hi. First of all, I want to welcome Roy Barron. He came special. He comes from Lani. Lani, I'm telling you, he was a fellow. I just want to tell you who Lani was. Lani was a guy. Tell me his last name again. I forgot. I forgot his last name also. They call him Lonnie Bones. Okay? Hope he's going to watch this. But let me tell you something about Lonnie Bones. This guy, he he wasn't... I'm, I'm talking about Pesach. You can ask my kids. It was like the peak of Corona. You know, peak, peak of Corona. Like like talking about peak Corona. Where, where everything was crazy. And um, he asked me about the sad day, if I have any place to stay in this. And I remember at the time, it was like so crazy. Like that year, all the rabbis said, stay home, don't go out, don't bring anybody in. It was like a whole thing. I was like, Lonnie, I feel bad. My rabbi said, yeah, yeah. So Robert, what you, I, I gave him, I remember I gave him everything to start the sad day. Out of protection for us, protection for him. It was like crazy, I remember at the time. And my daughter, my, my kids are looking at that. Who is that? And, 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 and my kids are hearing so what do you do over here? You have to eat the matzah. How much matzah? I didn't know that. He's talking about this guy. He's talking about like starting zero. We're talking zero. Zero I'm talking like. No Shabbat. No no pez. I didn't know pez. What do I do? What the? What, what, zero. That's what happened. He is now, I'll show you a picture before and picture after. He is now in Israel learning. Full time. I, I said, how'd you do it? He said one thing. He said, I wrote Shana. I committed myself that I will not miss one Wednesday night shiur, which is this class. Now, one Wednesday night I won't miss. That was my Kabbalah. That was his entire uh, uh, Kabbalah. He will not miss it. And I'll never forget, he would have a wedding. He's like, Rabbi, it's my friend's wedding. He would ask me permission if I can go or not. And, and he would want to hear it as we're talking, you put me on speaker, making sure it's live, it's this, it's that, that. And then when Corona hit, he said, Rabbi, you got to continue giving the classes. He made sure it was on Zoom to make sure that, that he's able to hear. That's how committed he was. When he accepted upon himself every Wednesday night, he will come. That was his commitment. And in his brains was, no matter what, I will not miss a Wednesday. And then that year was Corona. And Corona hit, and he told me, he grew so much at that time because everything shut down. His business, everything, all the businesses, his, his work, he had no, no work at all. He couldn't do anything. There's only one thing. But being the fact that it was lit up from a Wednesday night class, a little bit of Torah, that Wednesday night, the next day, Thursday, said, let me go in the shul and open up a Gemara. And he went to a shul called, at where he lives, it's called Az Yashir, on East 8 M and N, I believe, in the middle of the block. It's a Persian shul. He told me he went, and one of the one of the younger rabbis saw him. He's like the only one in the shul at two o'clock in the evening. What are you doing? He said, okay, let's learn. They started learning and he got pumped. He made his first siyum in his life that year. He invited me. We had a whole big outflat. He said, Rabbi, I love the learning. And he got in. Now he's learning in Israel. Imagine. How? A commitment, a small commitment. You might say it's not small, okay, maybe it's not small. He committed every Wednesday night, it doesn't miss. I have a wedding, I have this. He would call me up, imagine, call me up. Corona says, Rabbi, you're not stopping the class. He's like, honey, uh, what, what are you going to do? He says, I don't care, we're not stopping the class. I put it as my mind, it's, it's happening. 
And, and, and he did it. And he kept on going and going. This is what a Kabbalah is. And now, Baruch Hashem, he sent his friend Roy. So, Baruch Hashem will have the school. Hopefully, we'll have you every week as well. And with Tai, we're learning about Rashi. I can't see you. You gotta come either closer or that side or move that. I gotta see you. Like this. Now, now, we're, we're, I still can't see you. That, that way or, or for Alright? Alright. You sure? Cause the camera's in the middle like this way. Move, 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 move a little bit, a little bit. I have to see you. Alright. Like, perfect, perfect. Yes, perfect, perfect. Like this. We're learning about Bereshit. Now there's an obvious question over here. You open up the book, you open up the Sefer, you open up Bereshit. The Torah itself is a, a, a lot of laws. There's a lot of halachot. How many mitzvot are there? 630 mitzvot. Where they? You have 630 mitzvot, right? So, so you open up Bereshit and it's speaking about the creation of the world. Why did it start off speaking about the creation of the world? And anything to talk about, why did Hashem choose to speak about the creation of the world? Good question. This is not my question, by the way. You know whose question this is? Rashi. Rashi. The first Rashi of Bereshi asks this question. What's going on over here? I don't understand. You can speak about anything in the world. You can speak about any law. Imagine the first law that came along. The first law. Imagine say Peru Urbu. Any law. I'm just giving an example of Peru Urbu. Uh, uh, it didn't start with that. Later on it says Peru Urbu. But imagine uh, Bereshit Bara Hashem created the world and right after without describing all the creations just say I created the world and reproduced the world. No. He keeps on continuing 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 about all this creation and Bereshit Bara Hashem and that's why. You know what the answer is? Rashi says. This is the answer. It's an amazing answer. Rashi says, if you look at over here, he says, Umatam Patak Bereshit Mishum, these words, Koach Maasab Higid Lamo. What does that mean? Koach Maasab Higid Lamo. What does that even mean? So he wanted to show the world his power, Koach Maasab, his Koach that he did, Lagid Lamo, to tell his nation, which is the Jewish people. And Rashi elaborates to that. You know what that means? It means like this. It means that one day, we're going to get the land of Israel. Let's talk about the land of Israel right now. Were the Jews born in the land of Israel? Well, they weren't born in the land of Israel. Were we born in the land of Israel, yes or no? No. No. Who were there? The Canaanim. They had the seven nations. Chivi, Yevusi, Girgashi. So think about it. They're in, they're in the land of Israel. So now, we come to Israel. Who is coming to conquer the land? Yeshua. Yeshua says, I have to conquer this land. What are you talking about? But we are here before you. It's our land. It's our land. No, no, no. This is God's land. And God, the one who created Shbereshit, Shamayim Va'aretz, everything belongs to Him. And you can look it up in the Parashat Shavua. What's the first part of the Torah? It speaks about the creation of the world. So it's His world. And He can decide who He wants to give it to. And He wants to give it to the Jewish people. So, you gotta leave. You hear what's going on? This is why we're starting with Bereshit. 
Why do you start Bereshit Barayim with the Shemayim with the Hanis? Why are you saying Bereshit? Hashem, you created the world. Why? Why are you saying created the world? You know what the answer is? The answer is, it's because one day when we go into the land of Israel and we start conquering, we tell them, by the way, this is not your land. It's God's land. He created the world and He decided who He wants to give the land to. And he wants to give the land to the Jews. You hear the That's why we start Bereshit. Now, we have to explain something that's very, very important right now. But everybody heard that clear, correct? But there's very something very important to follow up on this Rashi. Because if you look at it, he says it, it says it before, you can look it up. The first Rashi of the Parashat Shavua, he says, listimatem. If the people are going to say, you guys are stealers, what do we say? No. All the land belongs to God. How do we know? So Kish, you have to leave. Let me ask you something. Imagine now we go to a town, say, oh, guys, everybody got to go. Why? Because it's God's land, and He said it belongs to us, so you guys got to go. Are they going to go? No. Okay, so how, how is this Rashi going to, how is this Rashi justify the answer to the problem over here that we have? Very good, we all know. What's the reason? Rashi said his reason. What's the reason? It's the reason is later on in life, when we go to the land and we start coming there, we tell the people you should just know that the land belongs to us. You gotta go, but then I can listen. Then I can listen. So how's Rashi gonna answer this question? How are they gonna listen? Clear? Then I can listen. By the way, uh, you guys gotta leave the land. Why? It's Hashem's land, so you gotta go. Oh, okay. Let's pack. guys, let's pack our bags. Uh, the Jewish people are coming now. Let's go, everybody. Our they're going to put up a fight. They're going to go. Are you crazy? You're going to fight with us? And that's what they did. It was a whole war. You know, like a war with Yeshua. And they had to fight. And they fought to fight. So how does this, how does this justify the answer? So this is the lesson that we're learning here tonight. And it's a very, very important lesson. It's a lesson about, really it's a big lesson about. I'll give you a, a, a mashal to understand it. There was a... Um, there was a child, and his mother took him to the Grand Canyon. I said, huh, son, see the big Grand Canyon? He said, wow, this is magnificent. And he hears, magnificent, 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 you know, the echo, magnificent, magnificent, echo, echo, oh, whoa, this is crazy. So go a little bit down and say three words. I hate you. He goes, I hate you. And he hears echoes, oh, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Oh my goodness. His mother says, now, go again and say, I love you. I love you. And he is, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And he, tell, and he tells, the mother tells her son, this is the lesson of life. He says, what? Echo? He says, yeah, it's the lesson of life. He says, why? He says, whatever you project amongst yourself to people or people to you that's what's going to echo back to them no matter what it's going to project your, your, your body produces a vibration it's called body language that we can pick up that body language even without you telling what's going on you understand what's going on over here it's a something it's a, it's a fascinating thing in, that we have there was an amazing story about a Moser. A very, it was a Moser. Moser, you know, is, a Moser is a uh, snitch. 
And he would snitch to the government. He'd come in, snitch to the government. Oh yeah, this guy is this, this guy is that. By the way, you should know, Moser doesn't have Chalik Lomobah. Moser doesn't have Chalik Lomobah. Rambam speaks about it. If you go snitch on people, the government, you tell them there, 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 tell them there. You're a snitch. You have to be very, very careful with the snitching, by the way. You're very, you know what they say in the, in the thing? Snitches get stitches? What do they say? What do they say, right? What do they Snitches get stitches, yeah? yeah. They get worse than that. It's, 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 it's no normal bar, you know, it's the worst. You don't want to be a Mossad. You don't want to go, go, go randomly, you know. If, if you ever have to speak to somebody about the government, about somebody else, you make sure you speak to the rabbi before. Rabbi, what do you think? Rabbi, what do you think? You don't just go call 311 on somebody. There's already Mossad. You have to be very, very careful with that. You understand what I'm saying? So what happened was, there was a fellow over here. He comes in, the rabbi gets, gets involved. Now, he's the new rabbi, and they told him, Rabbi, we're giving you a warning. You see that guy in the back? Don't mess with that guy. So why? He says, because he's a Mossad, and I'll tell the government on you, just don't mess with that guy. No? No problem. Next week comes, Shabbat comes. And don't ask me about the, what happened. The, the, we don't ask you a question about the story, but listen what happened. He, the gabai te- he tells the Gabbai, Gabbai, give, give that guy, the Mossad, give him Aliyah. Give him Aliyah. So he says, okay, no problem. Uh, the rabbi wants you to go, Shishi. Wow, thank you very much. Okay, I'll take it. He's getting it for Aliyah. The rabbi says, where are you going? No, no, no. You're not, you're not going to get Aliyah, Shishi. I heard you're Moser. We don't let Moser get, get, get the Liot over here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you cannot go up. So the rabbi, but they said that Gabbai said that you were mad. I'm sorry. And everybody's like, oh my goodness, Rabbi, you just, you know, who you're messing with. The guy, the guy, you know, you have to be clean, clean, clean. Fast forward. The next day, this guy's a big guy. The next day, the rabbi and two of his students that were in the shul, that know about this guy that's Moser, they were walking in the marketplace. Boys, boys, they were walking in the marketplace. And as they're walking in the marketplace, who do they see coming? This big snitch and now both of these uh, these Talmidim are like Rabbi what are we going to do the, 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 the fellow is coming what are we going to do he says don't worry he says what do you mean don't worry don't worry he says oh, come on Rabbi he's coming what happens the Moser comes straight to the Rabbi and he tells the Rabbi Rabbi I'm sorry if I did anything wrong to you there's that but you see you two students you mind if I just spit in their faces these guys you mind so I was like uh, better not to. so please don't it's probably just one spit in one of them one and one <laughs> says don't 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 do it so I got to respect the rabbi I'll, I'll pass it he goes by they go by his two students tell the rabbi, rabbi, you're the one who told him not to go for the aliyah because he said he's Moser, and we didn't do nothing wrong, and he wants to spit it out faces, it should be like, what's going on? So listen to what the rabbi said. The rabbi said, what were you thinking when we were going towards this Moser? What were you thinking in your brain? Oh, the guy's going to beat us up, the guy's at Asha, the guy's at this, the guy's at that. He, that, that's what you're thinking. He said, yeah. So, so he felt that. He felt your thoughts. Even though you don't say it. He felt the body language. He says, so, but I was thinking, really the guy deep down, he's a very big tzaddik. Somebody has to just turn him around. 
He has a neshama. He has a tehorah neshama. He has a pure soul. If somebody just lights him up just a little bit, he comes. He can be the biggest tzaddik in the world. That's what I was thinking when I met him. When I was seeing him, I was saying, "He's coming to me. This guy's tzaddik. He has such a change around. I know he can be big tzaddik." So he felt that. So automatically he apologized towards me. Automatically, wow, how happened? The answer is, is that connection that that that, that a person automatically uh, projects out. Yeah, it's back and forth. It's a back and forth projection. And guess what? You know what is the biggest proof to this? By the Menaglim. What does it say by the Anybody? Anybody knows what it says by Menaglim? How did they look like to the giants? To the giants, how did they look? Kachagavim. If you look at the psukim, good, 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 good over there, the attitude is that they say, oh my goodness, we look like grasshoppers. They felt that they were grasshoppers. So therefore, since they felt like they were grasshoppers, the giants viewed them as what they viewed themselves. That's a very big lesson. Again, since they viewed themselves like grasshoppers comparison to them, so when the giants actually saw them at a gleam, they looked at them, oh wow, look at these grasshoppers. But the only reason why they said that was because they projected in their mind that what is happening over here is what? Oh my goodness, we look like grasshoppers. So automatically, when the giants actually saw them, they said, oh wow, these guys are, these, 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 these guys are grasshoppers. The only reason why they felt like that was because they felt themselves like grasshoppers, so they automatically, they were belitted in their eyes like grasshoppers as well. Yeah? Yeah, what's going on? This is the Hidush over here we're saying. I'll never forget this past year. I went, they invited me to play full court basketball. You know basketball? Basketball. Now I know, I'm a pretty good player. I know how to play ball. I know how to play ball. I'm not MJ, I'm not Kobe, but I know how to play, you know what I'm saying? I know, I know how to play, you know? I know how to play ball. I know how to shoot, I know how to dribble, I know how to lay up, I know how to score, I'm good. Defense, everything, the whole nine yards. I know I'm good. Now, rebound off you for sure. <laughs> for sure, if you are good. So, Baruch Hashem, I'm a good ball player. But now let me tell you something. Let me show you how powerful body language and attitude has towards... The game. First, I'll give you a small example. I'll give you a small example. You ever play, anybody ever play, 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 uh, play ball practice? Anybody practice or play ball? Well, like, the, you know, sometimes the guy's practicing and he feels a little sluggish. So in his mind, he's like, oh, I'm missing my shots today. And he'll miss his shots today. He'll miss his shots today. Then the next time, he'll be like, no, no, today I'm going to be on fire. I'm going to be like, you know, I play NBA jam, you're on fire, boom, boom, every three points you get. I'm going to be like that. I'm going to hit every three. I'm going to hit every layup. I'm going to hit every ball. This time I'm going in. And he scores. Boom, boom. It's, in, in a way, it's the mind. It's the body language. It's the focus that you have. Uh, can I say a story about you? I'll never forget. My brother, he was, um, um, he was playing uh, in, his, in his basketball league. Right? Everybody knows, right? To get on a, on a varsity or JV or, or any basketball, right? you have to be the top of, you have to be the elite of the elite. So every tryouts, I would go, I would watch my brother. I would watch my brother play. In the sixth grade, he didn't make it. Seventh grade, he didn't make it. Eighth grade, he didn't make it. Ninth grade, he didn't make it. Tenth, right? Right or not so far? Tenth grade. Tenth grade. 
it's like almost impossible. You went to the same school as you guys. It's almost impossible, you know, to make it in 10th grade. You know, it's like you, once you hit JV, you're in it, you're in it. Varsity, it's only if you're in JV. It's not even that. That guy almost impossible. I'll never forget, maybe he doesn't forget, he played unbelievable. I remember even the moves today that he played. I remember the move that he played. I don't know if he remembers. I remember. A guy, I remember, he was like just chugging and he ran, he just like, you know how like you stuff the ball at somebody? You know, he was like passing the ball like up in the air like that, shooting the ball, you know, he had your shoes on. I remember him, he jumped, and not, not, not blocked the guy. You know, you like the guy shooting, you block the guy. He jumped and he just caught the ball from the guy. <laughs> he just caught the ball from the guy. I'm like, whoa, you see, the guy stop following me, block him. Oh, hey, bro, he's shooting. He, he caught the ball. Now, what, 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 what happened over there? His attitude, his mindset was, I have one more shot. I have one more year. If I don't make it now, I'll, I'll never make it again in my life. So he played in his mind, his attitude was, this is a do or die mentality. You understand what's going on over here? It's a do or die. If I make the team right now, I will, if I don't, this is the last chance I have in my life, by the way. And by the way, I want to just tell you, that's how the Gedolim, I'm talking about Havetz Chaim. That's how we would look at about his life. Havetz Chaim, you know what he would look at his life? He would look at his life. It's his last day on earth. That's how we would play the game of life. You know, we, we have 120 years, you know, there's that. Okay, I have time. I'm only this. I'm only 19, 20, 25, 30, 40, 45, 50. I have to 90, 100. But the, the, the Gedolim, Havetz Chaim, his mindset was, I have one last day of my life, how am I going to make the best out of it? And he would just stag and learn, and mitzvot, and mazim tovim, and do everything, everything, everything. So for us, he understood. It's the last game. If I go and I make it, I make it. If not, I'll lose it forever. So his mindset was so clear and projected that this is what he has to be done. Boom. Laser focus, this is what's going on. It's all, in a sense, the mind that you have, that you focus, you'll be matzliach. Let me tell you something. The attitude of a person has to be very, very clear and, and mint condition. What do I mean? I have a question. I always bothered. How is it possible that, imagine right now, you could eat anything you want, and it'll taste whatever you want. It was the best tasting food. Would you ever get sick of that food? Think about it. Imagine right now, whatever you put in your mouth, you want ice cream? It tastes exactly like ice cream. You want steak? It tastes exactly like steak. How could you ever be dissatisfied with that? But yet, you see, 40 years, the, the people in the desert, what happened? You know, there was people, there was some people, no, we want meat now. What do you mean? Taste the food. Be like, no, no, we want meat now. What happened? The attitude, in, in a way, it shifted in a way. What was that? Oh, I, we, we deserve more. We deserve... Whoa! What are you doing? Don't, don't, don't mix in. Don't mix in. You know, there was a very big story of Rabbi Zusha. Everybody hear of Rabbi Zusha? Rabbi Zusha. So there was two Talmudim they were learning, and they had a very big problem with the Gemara. What was the problem with the Gemara? The problem with the Gemara says that you have to make a Beracha, you have to make a Beracha on anything that happens to you, good or bad, as if it's the best thing that could happen to you in your life. Yes? Imagine, one time there was a story, how a, a, a father lost his daughter, and they were waiting for the father to eulogize his daughter. Let's go, what are you doing? Let's go, we're waiting for you. 
And the rabbi wasn't coming out until an hour later the rabbi came out. They said, Rabbi, what took you so long for an hour? He says, the Gemara speaks about that you have to make a beracha, just like on the good, on the bad, as if it's as good. And therefore, I was contemplating, how could it be, I didn't care, if this is good. He was able to make the beracha, as if he won the lotto. Ow! So they look at this Gemara, how can you do that? How could you make a beracha that something bad happened to you, as if it's the best thing that happened to you? How? Daniel, you hear the question? Imagine saying, something happened tragic, as if you won the lotto. How could it be? How? So they went, they asked their Rebbe, Rebbe, tell us. He says, go to Rabbi Zusha and ask him. Okay, they travel two hours away to Rabbi Zusha. They see he's living in a small apartment. Uh, run down, everything's run down. He's like they, they're like banging their head when they walk in the house. Like, oh my goodness, Rabbi, maybe we could lift up the the, the, the ceiling a little bit. And they go this way and that way. Finally, they get in the house, and they see it's like dilapidated. They see leak. They see this. They see oh God, how's this? So he says, Rabbi, can you tell us we have a we have a problem with this Gemara? How could you bless God on something that didn't go good as if it was good? Like, you know, what he told them. He says, why are you coming to me? I never had anything bad in my life. He was going on. Like, they look at his house like, I feel bad, Rabbi, we'll buy you a whole new house. <laughs> and he's coming and saying, I, I, don't know, I don't know what you want from me. Why are you telling me? Oh, how do you bless God on the bed? It's good. It's, nothing bad ever happened to me. You know why? Because his attitude was, listen to this. His attitude was, in essence, I deserve nothing. And whatever I get, is bonus. You heard the attitude that he has? I deserve nothing. Whatever I get is bonus. Does God owe you anything in life? Answer the question. No. Does he owe you anything? Does he owe you money? Does he owe you health? Does he owe you any life? Does he owe you? Tell me, Joe, does he owe you any life? Does he owe you anything? Does he owe you to breathe? Like right now, you breathe. Does he owe it to you? you oh yeah, you're born, so I owe you to, to breathe? No. He doesn't owe you anything. So everything that we get in our life, in essence, we look at it as bonus. Wow. So every dollar that you have in your pocket, you know what that is? That's like, whoa, bonus. I don't need, wow, bonus. Wow, this, wow, that. He's, you, you're not entitled or deserving of whatever God gives you, really. It's, everything's bonus. Wow. You, you understand what's going on? The attitude is different. But if you have an attitude where, no, I deserve this, and I deserve that, and I deserve that, and I deserve that, you'll never be happy. Because you always feel in your mind that you deserve, 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 deserve. You understand that? Is that is that clear? I'll never forget. There was a guy from Israel. He was collecting money, and I end, he ended up raising literally like I don't know, like two thousand dollars, something like that. And and I said, "How do you feel?" Like he's like he's like I thought. I said, "I feel great." So how do you feel great? You know, you have this, you have that, you have so much other things. He said, "I came to America thinking that I'll get zero. And when I thought I'd get zero, so whatever I get is bonus. I came out with $2,000. This is what he told me. I was like, whoa. He thought, he said, no, I feel great. So what do you mean? A guy, a guy like you feel, feel horrible. I tried raising money, only got, no. He says, really? I was coming, I'm going to get nothing. I'm getting zero. So I thought, whatever I got is bonus. Wow. But what do people do in their life? What's, what, what lacks happiness? You know what lack, you know what person's lacking happiness? He says, oh, you know what, greed. Oh, I'm not happy. I want this. I want that. I want that. I want that. But if your attitude is, whoa, 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 everything I get is bonus, of course we want. But 
be grateful to what you things that you have in your life, so automatically you always be happy. Understand that, Cheshbon? You hear that one? It's a twist around. It's a twist around. So the guy, if you have a few dollars in your bank account, I'm the happiest guy. I was one. The guys put up zero. I look at my bank. You open up the Chase Quick Pay. You know this now. Ah, I go after the. Wow! I have five bucks. Wow! Happy! I'll never forget in my life. I had a friend of mine. I'll never forget. I'm driving on Avenue N and Coney Island. I see him. He's walking. I'm not gonna say his name, but some people know him. And, and he and, and I, I honk. I was like, "Come in my car. Give me a ride." It's like, "How you doing?" I said, I'm feeling great. At the time, he was, I knew he was having a hard time in his business. I said, I'm feeling great. It's like, feeling great? What do you mean? He said, I still have a quarter in my pocket. I'm not, it's a true story that happened. I met my friend, like, I still have a quarter. You know, the guy, 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 have a heart attack. What's gonna happen, Banksville? He's like, I still have a quarter. I'm not broke. I still have a quarter. Some people are negative. Some people are negative. He's at least have a quarter. He's, he's happy that he has a quarter in his pocket. The attitude, has to automatically change in a way like, why you have a quarter? You know that? I'll give you one of the best proofs. In the Torah, which four animals is not kosher that it lists? Who knows? Guys, I'm going to say, but you can answer amen, but the people on the, on the thing, it's not live, so you can't answer amen. They can't answer, but you could because you said, I have a question for you. What's four animals? Are in the Torah written? Who knows? Pig. Who? Pig. Pig. Chazir. Shafan. Camel. Arnevet. Adir. Shafan. Arnevet. Kamal. Chazir. You want to hear something so beautiful? You want to hear something so beautiful? What does it say about a pig? It, it shows its hooves, but it doesn't what? It doesn't chew its gut. What does it say about the camel, the anevet, and the shafan? What does it say about them? It says, it, what? It, it chews its cud, but it doesn't what? It doesn't have the hooves. Can I ask you a question? Why does it say what it has? Just say. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.